From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's great to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your very first time to tune in with us, we're especially glad that you have joined us uh, today. Welcome to you. Uh, Real quickly, before we get into the scripture and the sermon, I mentioned this last week, but want to say it again. I bet if you think about it, uh, there is somebody in your life who's been on your heart a lot lately and maybe been in your prayers as well. It could be a coworker or a friend or a neighbor that you have, maybe a family member, Um, or if nobody immediately comes to mind, I bet if you take a second to think about it, there's somebody in your life who is going through a big transition right now or who has a lot on their plate or who is struggling with with something right now. I want to challenge you uh, sometime over this next week, invite that person to come and join us for our Easter worship service. As many of you know, Easter is next Sunday, April the 9th. We're going to be worshiping together at 10 a.m. at the AMC Classic Theater, where we always have our worship services. And then right after worship, we're going to have a big party and a big celebration. There's going to be a popcorn bar. We've got a photo booth. The Easter Bunny is uh, is coming. We've got uh, giveaways for kids as well. So it's going to be a great time. And as many of you know, Easter is the most hopeful day of the entire Christian year. And so it's the perfect day for us to reach out and to invite friends and family and neighbors and co workers and anybody and everybody who could use a word of hope and encouragement in this season. I think it would just be incredible if we can fill that movie theater where we worship with our friends and family and and people that we care about as as we celebrate uh, the incredible, incredible good news of Easter. So I hope to see you and and a lot of people that you care about with you uh, next Sunday for our Easter celebration. Uh, well, having said that, um, our scripture for today comes from Luke uh, chapter 19. We're looking at verses uh, 28 through 44, and it says this. After Jesus said this, he continued on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As Jesus came to Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there. And when you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their clothes on the colt and they lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things that they had seen. They said, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heavens. Well, some of the Pharisees from the crowd, they said to Jesus, Teacher, Scold your disciples and tell them to stop. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. But as Jesus came to the city and observed it, he wept over it. 
He said, if only you knew on this of all days the things that lead to peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. He said, the time will come when your enemies will build fortifications around you, encircle you, and attack you from all sides. They will crush you completely. You and all the people within you, they won't leave one stone on top of another within you because you didn't recognize the time of your gracious visit from God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, well, we have a special treat today. Uh, our friend, Pastor Jameson Doring, is back to preach for us. Uh, many of you have heard Pastor Jameson preach before, uh, but if you don't know, Pastor Jameson is the executive pastor at University United Methodist Church, uh, Kindred's mother church, and we often get the, the pleasure of having Jameson come and, uh, and preach for us. So I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Jameson now as he concludes our sermon series that we've been doing on the Apostles' Creed and as he talks to us about this holiday that we have in the Christian year called Palm Sunday. Hello, kindred family. Pastor Jameson back with you. And what a joy it is to be together in worship. If you've been with us the last several weeks of Lent, we've been tackling a sermon series around the Apostles' Creed, those statements of faith where we say we believe in these things. And we've been discussing some of the points that are probably easier for us to engage with. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And some points that maybe are more challenging for us. What is the communion of saints? What does it mean to have forgiveness of sins? And today, I think this is such an important statement. What does it mean to believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting? This idea that we have a hope and a God who looks at us and says, you will be restored, renewed, redeemed. That is the ultimate Christian hope. And while we assent to it, we believe in it, it can be something hard to wrap our minds around. What does resurrection look like for us? What does God mean when God talks about it? All of that reminds me of this really noble ambition I've had since I was young. A grand desire where I thought life and life abundant would look like having a local coffee shop that would know my order when I walked in. I don't know about you, but I love the idea of knowing my baristas so well that when they see me get out of my car or step through the doorway, they're already making your beverage. And I always had this dream, this aspiration that I could just reach out my hand at the counter and they would already put my coffee right into my hand and then they would already have rung me up and I could pay without saying a word other than good morning, have a great day. Was I setting the bar too low? I don't know. I think that's a pretty high bar and a wonderful expression of the fullness of life. And so I fell in love with this little coffee shop where I lived in Houston called Minuti. Had some great Italian cold brew that had a nitro filter. Mm, magnifique. And I used to go in and order every day. And I slowly worked to know the morning staff because I would always go by on the way to the church. And every day I would go in. I'd try to order the same thing a venti iced vanilla coffee with cream. Over and over and over, I would order. And I just used to hold meetings there or ask people to meet me for a pastoral coffee there, always trying to immerse myself in Manuti culture. And after a while, it seemed like this was just never going to happen. We had high school students and some part-time college students that were working in some of the mornings, and it was hard to figure out if I would ever get the right rhythm with the staff, or, you know, I was kind of banking on the fact that I was tall, maybe people would remember me, but it never worked out. 
until one wonderful day, we had to schedule an early morning meeting. So I was at Manuti at about 7.30. And as I was walking in, I noticed that some of the folks from church were already there that I was meeting with. So as I was chatting with them, I wasn't even paying attention, but my hand was kind of resting towards the register. And into my grip came a cold, frothy, iced vanilla coffee with cream. And I looked at it and it was so fresh, it hadn't even been stirred. So I kind of jokingly said, did you guys forget the cream? And he said, no, sir. He put a straw in and stirred it. And I could see that cream drift to the bottom. I saw you when we walk in and I knew your order. That is the kingdom of God, am I right? Well, maybe the kingdom of God's a little more. But for me in that day, that felt incredible. I was known. I, I was received. And I was restored, redeemed by having that thing which I thought would bring about goodness in my day. Did it ever happen again? Absolutely not. But for one shining moment, I was able to have that connection that I'd always wanted with my barista. When we think about the resurrection of the body, when we think about life everlasting, when we think about this idea that God has a plan and a purpose for us, we may initially look out into the world and try to measure what we perceive God will label as success by what we see others experiencing as success. Now, for a lot of you, you may already be saying, Jameson, I'm not going to be measuring success by whether or not I have a coffee shop where the barista knows me where I can get my order as quickly and readily as possible. But it is really easy to look at how other people define a wholesome, healthy, wonderful life and we say, this is as good as it gets. This is the measure that my life should be about. And it can become really easy when we talk about the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. When we talk about the fullness that God intends for us, we can set the bar there. And that initial question that you asked me, this whole idea, this concept that Jameson, are you setting the bar too low with your whole vision of a barista that knows you by sight? I wonder if the same thing can be said of us in relation to God. Does God look at where we've put the bar for where life can be and we say, is that where you're setting the bar? Is that how far you think my love, my grace, my forgiveness goes? Is that what you think life abundant looks like? Do we dare to dream that the bar isn't here, but actually much higher? Do we dare to think that what God has in store for us is something more than we can actually imagine? Because it's not about us. It's about what God is doing in our lives for us. So, of course, in some ways, we're going to fail to envision the things of God because we're not God. But does that give us excitement and joy? Or does it fill us with a little stress and anxiety? Now, what does that all have to do as we prepare for Holy Week? This season in the life of the church where Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, today is Palm Sunday. After all, there's a joyous celebration that we heard in the reading from Luke we'll get to in just a moment, but we know this will be a long and difficult week at points. We are descending into the valley where there will be crucifixion. There will be disciples that will flee in the night. There will be Jesus in a tomb, and for a lot of us, we want to jump to that next Sunday and say, yes, it's Easter. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen. But Palm Sunday, and this week in general, 
can be tempting to jump over because it's deeply unsettling to sit in a place where things aren't quite fulfilled the way we think they should be. It's really uncomfortable to be in the midst of life when you hear tales of how God's going to restore and redeem, but it hasn't happened yet. And that's the reason that I think there's so much celebration on Palm Sunday. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. There are Old Testament prophets that speak about this. Zechariah is the one where we hear about this Messiah-like figure riding in on a donkey. It's a herald of salvation. And so everyone who meets Jesus along the road, waves palm branches, This, in some accounts, throw down cloaks. There's this idea that we are excited to receive Christ the King. To the point where the Pharisees kind of rebuke Jesus and say, tell your disciples to chill out. And Jesus says, even the stones would shout it. And then something kind of incredible happens. Uh, Jesus laments as he enters the city. He weeps over Jerusalem because they did not recognize what was really happening with God walking among them. So we already have this juxtaposition of we as the people on the roadside so excited to see Jesus, so thrilled to welcome Christ home, but are we setting the bar too low? Are we, like those back then, perhaps thinking that Jesus has come to crush the Romans, come to establish a new kingdom here on earth in a literal kind of monarchy-like reign, Is Christ going to overthrow those people we don't like in the shops right down the street? Is he going to kick out all the folks that aren't the people of God and restore the proper kingdom? We have all these earthly visions of what God could be doing. Yet God has a plan that will send Christ straight through the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist discusses. To conquer death itself. To bring about a hope that says, Even when suffering is around us, those that follow after God can hope for new life. That's the power of resurrection. Something far greater than we can imagine. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus weeps, such a beautiful thing, we see this also uh, when he goes to visit in in another gospel account, when Lazarus has passed away, he weeps. As well, even though he knows and fully intends to raise Lazarus from the dead, there's this idea that Jesus has compassion for us in some ways that we don't fully understand exactly what God is up to. Because, in some ways, if we could perfectly understand it, it seems more comfortable, it gives us more control. And in some ways, to give ourselves over to the radical love of God. It's to give yourself over to something that's far bigger than just you. And so this Palm Sunday is always a reminder for me of all those times when we thought this was the final victory and yet the best was yet to come. When when I set the bar at the barista level and God said it's much higher than that. I want you to think through a season and a period of your life when things seem difficult. I want you to, to try to, to the best in, in you can and to the comfort you're willing to give to it, 
a season in which you've experienced job loss, death of a loved one, physical ailment, sickness, impending surgery, financial strain, whatever it is, I want you to sit in that valley and think, wow, it was tough here. Because the world's going to tell you, you messed up, man. <laughs> if you're feeling that stress and that anxiety, that's just the way that it is. And yet we know with the hope that we find in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, there is no season, there is no valley, there is no place you can be that separates you from God. To the point where Jesus rode into Jerusalem to give his life for people who didn't even yet fully understand what that was about. To the point where he even wept because he wished they would receive him in the way that would bring about peace, and yet he knew that through the rejection he was about to experience, they were really inviting more pain and conflict than they had to endure, and yet he went anyways out of love for us. Because there is something in our shared humanity that somehow limits our creativity when it comes to loving and offering grace to one another. We are in need of God to free us to love more like God. We're in need of Jesus to free us to be more like Jesus. It's not just about Christ being an example of ultimate sacrifice. It's about Christ recognizing that the chains of death, the wages of sin, however you're comfortable expressing that, restrict and limit us from living into the fullness of life that God had always intended for us. Resurrection is about God's ultimate plan winning out. That nothing can separate us from that plan. That nothing can prevent us from living in to the ways of God because God has shattered all the chains. And so it's okay to have a penultimate celebration. It's okay to be on Palm Sunday and realize later, oh my gosh, this seemed wonderful. And yet God has something even more clearly wonderful for me. It's okay to sit with people in seasons of grief where you don't have all the answers and perhaps all you have is the gift of your presence. So you let uncomfortable things just sit with both of you because you can't imagine what God is going to do. And yet we hope that even when suffering is present, new life is still possible. That's the power of the Christian message is that it's not about our perfect comprehension of what God's plan is for the cosmos, for our community, for our family, for us. It's trust that something far greater than us is taking place that we're freely invited to participate in. In some ways, Palm Sunday is maybe the resurrection we thought we wanted. But Palm Sunday is the beginning of the resurrection that God knows we need. And so as we journey through this holy week together, and when you profoundly say, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, that that's not just a mental ascent to a deep theological truth. It's a calling of your heart 
to trust in a God who calls you by name and says, yes, even you in this season, in the midst of whatever you're experiencing, I promise you life and life abundant. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Jameson, for that good word for us this morning. Friends, just a few things here quickly for us before you go. Uh, first, if you're new to Kindred, I would love the chance to connect with you. If you'll just click the connect link that you see in the video description or the podcast description here, uh, I will reach out to you later this week to say hey and welcome to our church. Also, if you're local, we would love to see you in in-person worship. And there is no better time to come worship in person with us than this Sunday, which is going to be uh, Easter on um, April the, the 9th. As I mentioned before, uh, it's going to be a, an awesome celebration and uh, we'll have a wonderful party afterwards. So make plans to stay for that. Uh, bring friends, as I told you before, uh, it's going to be so much fun. And then finally, uh, be sure to click the announcements link that you see in the description as well. Uh, that will take you to this week's newsletter, which has details about uh, our Easter celebration. It has other details about our Holy Week services and other ways that you can uh, get engaged with us and, and get involved with us and continue to grow in your faith with us here at Kindred. Church. And so with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.